Hello and welcome to Say That, podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host in the city of Chicago and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Sure, whatever. His enthusiasm is infectious. Also joining us, director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. Hello! You're trying to pick up the slack and That's I appreciate right. you for that. Join us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I didn't get to found anything. Did you even try? Well, enough of that. I <laughs> declare an emergency. Ooh, what? We're not even doing the fake, we're not going to do an emergency this week bit, because this needs to be talked about, people. Okay. Um, there's a uh, television show coming out in the uh, the fall lineup, mm. the title of which is God Friended Me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, while you let that sink in, it's going to be on CBS. I, I, I will read the Wikipedia plot summary. Okay. God Friended Me is described as a humorous, uplifting series that explores questions of faith, existence, and science. It centers on Miles, an outspoken atheist whose life is turned upside down when he is, and this is in italics for some reason, friended by God on Facebook. Uh Unwittingly, he becomes an agent of change in the lives and destinies of others around him. Okay. Okay. Does he discover in episode two that God is a Russian bot? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that's good. Because that could be something. Face bot. I like. I see. That's a twist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta hold that for the mid-season finale. Well, uh, this is a thing I like to do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do a, a prophetic utterance. Hit me. Oh, please do. You ready? I gotta kinda, no, probably not. I gotta I gotta go into like a trance first. Sure. Okay, you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, here. To, here to I appreciate you rolling your eyes back, even though it's an audio medium. <laughs> I always appreciate it when Glenn commits. I de- you know I, that's for you fellas. Sure, yeah. you know you know it's a little show just <laughs> for you. Theater of the mind. That's right. Okay, I'm getting a vision. It's coming through. Oh, Christians won't like it. Okay. They'll find a way to yes. not like it. The show, you mean? Yeah. Yes. I mean, like, even if it's actually a cool show, they'll find a way not to no, like it's it. It's a primetime show on CBS, so, yeah. What are the odds of that? Yeah, but they, they'll find a way <laughs> not to like it. Yeah, almost no doubt. Here's, here's my question, and here's where I, I part ways with this premise immediately. You get up one day, you know, you got to, to turn on your computer, as, as you do in, these, in this modern world of ours. And you see, God has friended you on Facebook. If the next scene isn't this guy having a nine-hour freakout that God can see what he does on his computer, <laughs> and I'm not buying it. Right. Yes. That's right. Okay. Says, hmm, that's curious. <laughs> that's not really, you're not capturing the, the visceral reality of this situation. Okay, here's my question. Does Satan also friend him? Wow. And then we have a battle royale. Ooh. Ah. Because I would watch that show. Or is Satan on a different platform? Well, clearly, yes. <laughs> Twitter. You're, you're saying it's Twitter. Okay, yeah, right. yeah, I understand. I understand. Yeah. It, it, yeah he, Satan's following him on Twitter and commenting on his sure. posts, and he goes over to the Facebook. Satan's a lot more GIF-heavy is the main yes. thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. It's, God's, God's more about... The, He's trigger happy with the memes and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wears him out a little bit. God, he's mainly sharing links and whatnot. <laughs> but yes. emojis. You can't do emojis on Twitter. Yeah, hashtag, why don't you try this in? 
Yeah, that kind of thing. Maybe Hashtag tempting. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He's not even trying anymore. <laughs> Hashtag maybe it'd be pretty cool. You know, hey guys, I'm busy, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and cue these up. Do some sins. That'd be great. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Please. That's right. I'm gonna be out of the office for the next. Well, couple he, weeks. He, he doesn't have a lot of creativity. He's Satan. You know, he doesn't have a lot of. You know what I mean? It's he's like, like one of these these folks who just kind of tweets the same thing for yeah. three or four yeah, days yeah. on end. Yeah, that's, that's right. It. He's got like a rotation. Just kind of fires right. through them. Things he's plugging. Right, and it, for some reason, like he's it, it's all temptation. Right, it's sure. like. Uh, uh, you know, uh, why don't you uh, hate this person, or why don't you covet this thing, or what? You know, so he's he whatever it is, right? Because he's fishing around trying to. You're see just describing what, Twitter at this point. But for some reason, all of the temptations come with uh, pictures of weddings. Yes, <laughs> it's yes. just a, here's a wedding photo. Did you ever think about how much you hate your next door neighbor? And yes, just, you know, it's just but the, wow. just posted. Underneath a photo of like really nice food that you can't have, dude. The devil clearly he's on Insta. That's where he's hanging oh, okay. out. Okay, yes, I yes. See. Now we've found it. A properly curated selection of wonderful images. Yeah. with awful, awful, awful descriptive text that has nothing to do with the That's image. Right. Yeah, and you're and then, and you, then you're you're uh, reposting all of those pictures of like a, it's like a bunny rabbit. Yes, I like that picture, and it's like hashtag. Everybody send now. Yeah, exactly. It's an adorable litter of puppies with the text, your family hates you. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm still so uncomfortable that Jed used the word Insta. That's right. And finish it. I'm hip. Well. Okay. I, don't, I don't have to say more syllables. Okay. That's that's a waste of tie. I did get the... No. That's right. No, I'm doing throw a, a flag thing. on tie. Yeah. No. Yeah, I'm doing a new thing now. That's, a, that's its no. own word yeah, that has no. meanings. Yeah. Yeah. I want to weigh tie, y'all. No, That's right. Take no, it in. No, that yeah, happened. I, I, I'm, that I, happened. I'm going to second the motion on that. Yeah. Hey, I'm, look. The motion carries. Hay's going to hay. Okay. Yeah. Now you've you stopped communicating. <laughs> now it just kind of sounds like you've had a stroke. That's disconcerting. We we just feel sorry for you now. Well, I do feed on pity, so I'll take it. What would happen if we put Jed appears to have lost control of his the speech center of his brain on Facebook and God liked it, yeah. but he didn't put any other stuff? Yeah. Like, how would you take that? Well, yeah, it's a bit unclear, Lord. <laughs> right. Well, on well, Facebook, you don't have to just do the like. You can kind of slide over and get the different little faces and stuff. Right. And so, if God does the you know the the surprise face with the big eyes, like oh, or like just the laughing with tears. Face over Jed right. losing his powers of speech. Yeah, that'll be a that'll be a little more refined version of what God thinks about it. Yeah. Well, here, here's how I'm going to save the show, which Glenn is is correct. Christians aren't going to like, and I can't imagine non Christians are going to like it. So it's almost certainly going to be in trouble. And so when they come in, in search for a writing team, I think they're going to turn to us because why wouldn't they? Yes. Um, the the premise is very uh, Kurt Cameron-y of you know he he's a he's an atheist, but then God gets involved. That's not a very compelling story to me. We've seen mm-hmm. that. It's, it's ham-fisted. And it's also, far be it for me to speak for the Almighty, I don't think that would be the way, uh, the best use of God's time on Facebook. Sure. I think the Christians on Facebook may need God to get involved. Yes. I want yeah. a post with a thing, a share, and then just a little dialogue pops up. Yes. Dialogue box. 
you know, emanating light from it that just says, really, Helen? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It, it, is this directly contravening several Bible verses right now? But, right. The, the the really good show would be is if it was a Christian instead of an atheist Absolutely. that God was following That's right. and was commenting on what was going down. No, Dave. <laughs> no. Right. I see what you're trying, Dave, but you know you can't do that. Yeah. Put it away. Looks like he gets halfway through typing out Democrat. <laughs> then just the whole thing crashes. Like, no, yeah. you know, it's everybody out of the pool. It just keeps opening the Bible hub to the page about judge not lest you be judged. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's Why does it keep right. happening? Did I create some sort of keyboard macro? <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. Well, you know, uh, the other thing we could do, because we want to get in on this racket. Absolutely. Right? Uh, because the the key CBS thing CBS pays apparently that Big Bang Theory yeah. show has been on for like twenty seven years, right? And Those guys all own countries now. It, it, exactly, they're they're all you know balding and have grandchildren. So here's what uh, here's what's up. What you can do is come up with a million dollar idea, yes, ah. and then they pay you a million dollars, and there you go. That's what makes a million dollar idea. Here's what you also could do. Hit me. Let someone else have a million dollar idea. You adjust it about two degrees, and then you have that idea. Oh, okay. that's wow. also basically a million dollar idea. That's true, and very American, right? So Henry Ford is way richer than the person who actually invented the automobile. That's right. Uh, so you know, here's what I'm saying: is how do we do our ripoff version of this and make a million dollars? See what I'm saying? Well, I think there that some of that depends on mm-hmm. audience. Yeah. So let's look at a, a certain type of Christian. Right. It will become clear who I mean as I describe the idea. Um, I think, and this is outside. I'm not pitching a television show here. I'm pitching an actual product. So right. it's inspired by. If we could pitch a thing that just makes it so that every time you post some rambling theological insane rant on Facebook, we program a bot that you have to pay a hundred dollars a month for. That shows C.S. Lewis liked this post. (laughs) (laughs) And you you can plug in living people there, but I went with a guy who's not around. G.K. Chesterton. Absolutely. You know, had a smiley face emoji or something. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be like, we, you know, we'd get in with faith. We'd slip Zuckerberg a few bucks and be like a a certified page of, you know, the C.S. Lewis Theological Society. And every time you post some insane rant about something that doesn't matter and you don't understand, you get the validation you seek. (laughs) Dude, that would make real money. Yeah, it yeah, really would. Amazing. It really would. My only concern is that a hundred dollars a month may have underbid us. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. See, so, yeah, and and if if it could be like, um, you know, like a a, a like you go to their homepage, you know, how you go to the homepage, and it's sure. like you have a picture yes. that you put on your. I don't really know how this stuff works, but you, know, you got a picture. There's of, a picture. Yeah. If it could be, if that picture could just be an animated GIF of C.S. Lewis rising from the grave, <laughs> you know, the, the hand pokes up out of the dirt, sure, oh, wow. style. and he climbs out, yeah. and then he gives a big thumbs up. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's awesome. That's what you want. Is he, Way to is go, he, Travis. Is, is C.S. Lewis decayed, or is he just, like, preserved? Like, what, what stage? No, of, are we looking at, like, the Crypt Keeper version of C.S. Lewis? Or? No, no, I, I think he's still mostly juicy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's, just, it's the spirit of C.S. Lewis rises from the grave. Yeah. Big old thumbs up. 
Yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah, he kind of. I mean, he's pale. He hadn't had any sun. Well, he was Irish. Got to be reasonable about these things. You know, so he's and he's kind of like his fingernails kept growing. So it's that. Oh, sure, you you got that going on. So it's a, it's a little disconcerting. I mean, we're not going, we can't get away from that. But on the other hand, C.S. Lewis approved of my post. I mean, he climbed all the way out of the grave just to get with a thumbs (laughs) up. That's right. That's That's how important. Pretty amazing. (laughs) On the way out, I'm gonna make an alternate pitch. Yeah. Based on this amazing idea Glenn has given us. Yeah. There's a, a movie that almost all of our listening audience is too young to, to uh, know, which is called Annie Hall. Yeah. There's a scene where uh, the main character is behind some people in line for a movie. And it's like, it's set in Manhattan. It's a very hip crowd. And they're discussing, well, I don't, it's like, I guess the movie's supposed to be based on a book mm. or something like that. And the, well, I don't think they're going to capture the author's intent to blah, 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 blah. And it goes into a kind of a surrealist scene where the main character steps aside and says, you know what? I have the author right here off camera and pulls them on. And the guy just says to people, you know, nothing of my work. (laughs) So here's what I'm pitching. This is the TV show. Reanimated ghosts of, you know, it's, it's an anthology series. You're GH Chester and you're John Knox. Just goes around, sees what people saw on Facebook and appears to them and goes, no. Right. Yeah. That's not even close. (laughs) That would get a lot of action. (laughs) John gotta, Calvin would be so exhausted. Well, yeah, because you got to tie it to the if you're if you because you sign up and you tick the box that says Presbyterian, then you get the John Calvin yeah. emoji. Yeah. Well, th- this up. is vertical integration. We make the Facebook product, then we make the TV show inspired by. Right, that's it. That's wow. we've we've done that's it. Fantastic. We've cracked Can't it. Yes, I think we solved it. And I happen to know that Saint Augustine approved that emergency. Yes, he did. In oh, which wow. case, I can declare emergency on. Ooh. And I will slide in a, a, a little a secondary plug before we get to the Bridgebox plug, which is, you guys know how Facebook's like awful? Yes. And everything on it kind yeah. of is terrible? Yeah. I'll tell you what's not terrible. That's the Bridge Facebook page. That's oh. right. Go to Facebook.com slash The Bridge Chicago. That's kind of, we kind of made that our landing spot for all of our uh, podcasts, blogs, you get question and answer, you get quotes, you get uh, some nice images of folks published together. So it's a not terrible thing in a terrible, terrible place. You're welcome. Hey. Wow. And obviously, you will be able to uh, get song- not versions you can download, but every month, every one of our Bridgebox songs will appear there. You'll get uh, some other peeks behind the Bridgebox curtain. So it's a great way to get a taste for Bridgebox, which of course is our monthly subscription service full of songs, sermons, Bible studies, videos, all sorts of good stuff based around its topic. This month's topic in August is all about hope. So we hope you enjoy that. We hope about hope. Ooh, and very mm-hmm. nice. Already turning in on itself. MissionUSA.com. Slash bridge box. All right, we're going to go to our first question here. Everything else, all the way to the end, gives some ways to get in touch this. First question comes in anonymously, and it says, I know we're not supposed to envy others, but what does that really mean? If I see someone in a relationship or with a cool job and want that for myself, is that really wrong? And Jen, why don't you kick us off? Those are great questions. Let's start by, if you can dig it, setting aside for a second the question of is this a sin or is it not? And let's just look at what's functional. Because this is this is important stuff. It's good for you to have goals for your life. Um, and it's good to have goals about big things and little things both. So you brought up, I see someone in a relationship or a cool job. You should have career goals for yourself. That's a good thing. You should you should have that. You should have relationship goals for yourself too. That's that's a good thing. But part of what makes goals goals is those are things that you're moving towards. Those are things that you are are working yeah. towards. You're on a journey towards. And and you recognize, I don't, you know, I, I think, you know, Kevin and Martha have a great relationship. 
I don't specifically need to be dating one of them. I, I want a relationship like that. Certainly not both, because that's greedy. <laughs> exactly. On top of being envious. But I'm, I'm working towards my own thing that will have a flavor of that. But again, goals are you are moving towards this thing, and, and again, your own version of this thing in your life. That is good. And seeing somebody else, you know, Kevin and Martha, and saying, that's a good relationship, and, and I want to move towards a relationship that has elements of that, that's not envy. That's actually inspiration in a good sense. I, I, I am drawing inspiration from those around me. I'm admiring this and, and you know, kind of drawing some coordinates off of that. That's a good thing. That's really positive, actually. Where we get into trouble and we get into danger, and, and I would begin to argue is, is actually the part where we start to get into sin, is when we're not actually trying to move towards something, we're not trying to pursue towards something, we're just wishing. We just, we just wish we would have a good career Hello. And, and we wish we would have a good relationship. We wish we would have, um, you know, uh, good friendships. We wish we had a nice car, a little bit of wishing. That's okay. I mean, we all, we all wish a little bit. It's, it's like eating cotton candy. A little bit of it's fine, but more than a little starts to get pretty unhealthy and a lot of it is definitely unhealthy. And the thing about envy is it really operates on wishing. In, in a weird way, envy is the laziest of all sins mm. because it, you know, the funny thing is there are some things that I, that I bet you're envious of and there's kind of a sense of, I will never have that. You know, um, I, I passed a guy driving a Ferrari. Let's be honest, I'm never going to have a Ferrari. So what are we talking about? Well, I mean, you know, I, I, can, I can see that you would feel that way. But a lot of the things you're envious of, you can have. You, you, can, you can have a career, you can have a good relationship, you can get a degree, whatever the thing is, you, you, can, you can go do that. But I think envy tells us, stay exactly where you're at. Don't do anything to make your life better. Just be mad that this other person has it. Right. And the thing about that is every part of that is weird and messed up. You know, every, every part of that is, if nothing else, a waste of time. Um, because we're not, we're not bettering our life. We're not, um, we're certainly not bettering that other person's life. We're just, we're just kind of stewing and stewing is hardly ever a healthy thing. Um, it certainly never, ever yields good results. So to take us back to your question, you said, you know, if I see someone in a relationship or a cool job and want that for myself, is that wrong? Like so many things, it depends where you go with that desire. If you allow that moment of saying, that's really cool. And I want a relationship like that. And you allow it to spur you on and I'm going to get on eHarmony and I'm going to, you know, get, put myself out there and see what I see. That's great. That's really, really good. If you let that sense of admiration turn into, well, I don't have it, and that's awful. That makes me feel awful, and I'm awful, and probably they're awful too, and everything's awful. Well, that, that is bad, and I think you can probably see where that's bad. The good news is you don't need to fall into that. Uh, it's good to have goals. Uh, goals usually are linked to desires, and if we're moving towards those goals, and particularly if we're inviting the Lord into a broader conversation about our, what our goals should be, then we're actually in a place of some pretty cool righteousness. I think it's a great point. I think it's also a, a very poetic uh, picture of the effect envy has on your life to go from that's a cool Ferrari to the world is unjust and void and all is doom because it's a fairly short trip. And Glenn, I, I think Jed gave us a really good footing to start on there. And let's look at this idea of um, 
I think it's, this person is right to say, it seems weird to say envy is wrong because, you know, the advertising industry and other market sectors built on it. <laughs> What's wrong with it? What is the corrosive effect it has on us? And would understanding that make it a little easier to identify? Well, I think a big part of what is wrong with it uh, and, and the thing that, that becomes, as you say, corrosive in that sense is the sense that I should have that. Yeah. It's, it's, and, and in the sense of I should have that before they should have it, or maybe even instead of them having it. Yeah. I live a good life. I do what's right. I, I, you know, I pay my taxes, whatever the thing is. I go to Bible study and Sunday school and whatever it is. I should have a Ferrari, not that jerk person who is sinning. Well, you know, uh, here's the thing about that is, um, first of all, you're putting sort of this weird expectation on yourself, like, like you did something wrong, and that's why this has happened. You know, in other words, I think we tend to 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 uh, express that as if it's an injustice in the world. Why does this person prosper while I suffer? But in the actual landscape of your mind, you, that's you being negative towards you. You're saying, I should have that. I, if I did what I was supposed to do, and if I did everything right, I would have that, but I don't. And I made this choice to do this thing because I thought it was the right thing, but it's not paying off, so I want to feel sorry for myself, and I should have that. That person shouldn't have it. I should. The, every part of that will just just uh, you would just dry up inside and feel terrible and 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 continue to have negative stuff that just swirls downward more and more but we need to stop and recognize one thing first and foremost the grass is not greener on the other side it mm. looks like it's greener it's not uh does this person have a thing that you don't have okay yeah they have that thing does that make that person's life better than yours? Have you thought about that? Have you considered it? Do you do you really have a sense that this person doesn't have the same struggles that you have? Everyone goes through their own private hell. Everybody has their struggles. When you look at that grass and you see it being greener, I guarantee you, you are missing out some math there. You are You haven't calculated out all the factors in that because everybody goes through the same stuff, dude. It just, there's a, a, there's a sense sometimes of, you know, I feel like I'm doing the right thing and there isn't a recognition for that and there isn't a reward for that. And I'd like to share with you, uh, the reality that, that that's actually what doing the right thing involves. In other words, if I did, if I just went out and uh, hired a publicist to go out and tell everybody I'm great, everyone would think I'm great. That's how that works. You've paid for it to happen, and then it happens. You hire somebody who does that, and it does it. You, you say, well, what if I just want to be great and then have everybody knows it? Well, I, I wish you a great deal of luck. And the people who, <laughs> You're going to need it. The people whose lives you change will know that you're great in a way no publicist could convince them that it's great. Uh, everybody else is going to be on their own trip, man. So uh, I think recognizing the grass isn't greener over there. Everybody has their struggles. Everybody has their problems. One last thing on this. I think what people envy is the trappings 
of a better life. They don't actually envy that life. I don't, you know, I don't want to be a CEO of something. I just yeah. want the car. You know, <laughs> I, I I don't want to have to like memorize lines and be an actor and study acting. I just want everyone to know who I am for some insane reason. You know, I want to I you know I want to have a big giant house. I don't want to have the you know the 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 bills. I don't want a big the, giant mortgage. Just a big giant <laughs> that's house. Exactly right. And I I think that it is an inherently. Um, uh, I, I mean, I get that that feeling, and I understand the the desire. But but again, you're you're purposely only letting yourself see half of that story and say, right. "I only want half of this situation." That's right, and that's not how life works. I it's a very very good point. That's is very sharp stuff about kind of how that is a problem. And Lee, I'd love to turn to you to say, uh, let's look at as we've done a great job kind of identifying the the symptoms here. Let's start to look at a little bit of a cure because I think this is one of those things where. Um, Envy is going to occupy the vacuum of not doing things to actively combat it. So how do we inoculate ourselves a little bit? Well, I think one of the things that we want to look at is I think there's a gigantic misunderstanding uh, in the world in general, but specifically in Christian culture, there's a gigantic misunderstanding over what contentment actually is. Uh, we know that the we know that the Bible talks about contentment. We know that being content is a is a good and important thing. But I think that our in the same way that a lot of people misunderstand what humility is, people understand what misunderstand what contentment is. People think that contentment means uh, I have made peace with the terrible situation I'm in. That's that's the only thing contentment means. But there's a whole lot more to contentment. Because it's not just that everything sucks in my life and I've decided not to complain about that. No, contentment means I am finding out who God has made me to be. I'm going after that life and I am finding the fulfillment out of living that life that God has made for me, using the gifts that God has made uh, that he has given me and doing the 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 assignments the responsibilities the calling that God has called me into and i find a fulfillment and a happiness and a joy in that that is so big that's so awesome that i actually don't have time to be envious of anybody else's thing and i have a contentment that is an that's actually an overwhelming joy when you see somebody who's actually content like in the actual definition of what contentment is, that's a person that everybody else is envious of because they're fi- they have figured out this is what my life is. This is who God is calling me to be. I found out what my calling is. I found out who I am, who I am in the kingdom of God, and I'm chasing that down so hard and so fast that I have now found the life. I don't need your life. I found mine. It's not the same as yours, and I may not, I might not have as much money, or I may not have as much whatever. But um, it's similar to what Jed is saying about the goals and that kind of stuff. But specifically saying, I want to find out what God is calling me into, and then when I'm walking in step with that, man, I might not have everything in the world, and I might have some suffering, and I might have some difficulty, but I have a a deep sense of joy. I have a deep sense of joy that nobody else can give me. That's what contentment actually looks like. It's not just uh, putting a good face on just an awful, awful life with awful, awful circumstances. No, I mean, everybody's life is going to have some suffering and some difficulty and some confusion and that kind of stuff. 
But I think what we're trying to f- figure out is, what is God calling me into? If I can get a hold of my calling and walking in that, even in the difficulties and the sufferings and the struggles and the confusions of that, I'm going to have a deep sense of joy. I'm going to have a deep sense of peace. I'm going to have a life that other people are going to look at and say, how did you get that? And that's, I'm not going to have time to be envious of anybody else because I've figured out who I am and who God has made me to be. And so I, I think that's a huge key on, on, on battling some of this envy and stuff like that is, who are you? Uh, wh- what are the gifts that God has given you? And what is the thing that Jesus is calling you into? What place has he got in, in the, the furthering of his kingdom for you? I think when you start to get a hold of that, when you start to walk in step with that, you're going to find you don't have time to be envious. And uh, you're going to find a deep sense of joy, peace, and contentment that, uh, that is going to flip this whole thing around for you. I think that's a really, really strong way to close off. I think that point about um, getting busy doing... Uh, your thing is very important on that, and it is it ties into an idea we've talked about along the show, and Glenn mentioned it uh, last week, uh, talking about uh, fellowship, which is the idea of kissing a lot of frogs. And I think that goes back to what uh, all these guys talked about, that idea of uh, the trappings, as Glenn put it, or you know, the, the car, and Jed's example of um, this. I, the, uh, the, one of the big lies of envy is if I just had my life plus this thing here, then it would all be great. And that's just, as Glenn did a very good job bringing down, it's just not the way anything in life works. You can't have, you can't have your car payment plus Ferrari. All right, we're going to go to our Say That interview this week. Uh, we have a fantastic interview. Uh, I believe this is our first ever sit down with a fellow podcaster. Ooh. Um, this is Miss Nisi. Her podcast is called My Strength and My Shield. She also has a Tumblr, Your Big Sis Nisi. So she does a very similar thing to what we do, and she actually... Uh, uh, took some stuff from us in a very cool way and was inspired, uh, kind of uh, got the confidence to do a podcast because I she didn't say this out loud, but I assume she listened to this and said, well, they can do it. Yeah, so that's right. So how hard can it be? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And she was right. So uh, when we talk about, I really wanted to sit down and talk with her because um, this is someone who has been to seminary. It's not professional ministry. She, she's a, an attorney in Brooklyn um, and just felt a call, saw a need. And as we talked about on the show, you know, started with a little Tumblr blog. And that picked up some steam and then wanted to do the podcast thing. And that picked up some steam. And it's a very cool story. And we, we talked to a lot of people who kind of, as, as we we're talking about that Emmy question, have that thing of, I feel like I want to do something, but doesn't somebody have to sign off on it? Doesn't it need to go this way? And not now. I mean, uh, podcast hosting is cheap and blogs are free. So I love the story of someone who just, you know, uh, set out to do their thing and the journey that was. So I had a lot of fun talking to her. We'll take that interview right now. So I'm talking to Miss Nisi of the My Strength and My Shield podcast. Hey. Hi. It's great to be here. I'm very excited to have a chat with you. Super I'm, excited. I'm excited as well. It, the whole story behind your your ministry and the side of the podcast is super amazing, and I would almost certainly butcher it, so why don't you tell it? Sure. So my name is Nisi. I am the host and creator of My Strength and My Shield. And the podcast kind of started because I had a blog. I had it on Tumblr. It was your um, Young Black and Vegan. And on the blog, I started just talking about being vegan. But I realized the more that I shared about my faith and my experiences, that's actually what people wanted to talk about way more than conversations about smoothie recipes and pictures of kittens. 
So once I started getting people asking me questions, I changed the blog to Your Big Sis Nisi. And that began a process of me figuring out how to use my platform in a way that glorifies God and uses my little section of the the internet to be something positive. So um, my boyfriend and I were talking about different ways and I shared that it was put on my spirit to do a podcast. And I was a little bit nervous about it because I've never done podcasting. I had no equipment, didn't know how to do it. And eventually he kind of, one of the Christmas gifts he gave me was some money to start the podcast. And from there it kind of, blew up. I it started out as a very small passion project of mine and I'm I'm grateful to say that it's grown in ways that I didn't expect. It's on iTunes, it's on SoundCloud, and it allows us to have some really deep conversations about spiritual and self care. Absolutely. It really has blown up. You have more iTunes reviews than we do, I noticed the other day. I'm not bitter about it. I just just make me hate <laughs> our listeners a little bit. That's putting that out there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you put a, you really put a lot of work into it. It's no surprise that people have have gravitated to it. So you do the study guides, and there's stuff people can get. What what's how have you found? Like you say, start from I was just talking about vegan stuff to now I'm kind of putting together spiritual curriculum, which I've had the exact same journey. I didn't I didn't go to seminary. I don't know that stuff. So is, was there a moment of, is any, am I going to get this right? Is anybody going to care about this? And how's it been to kind of get to the other side of actually helping people with it? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's interesting the way that God kind of prepares you and leads you in ways, even when you don't think that you're ready. And the person I identify the most with in the Bible is Moses, in the way that like, he didn't think that he was ready. So when I jumped into the podcast, I didn't think it was ready. I was ready for it. But what I thought about is, I wanted to make sure that if I had a podcast, I would be able to give people something to walk away with. I didn't just want it to be another conversation. I wanted people to have resources, things that they could look at so that when they were feeling low in between going to church on Sunday or having the sermons that we typically listen to, I wanted them to have something tangible. So with every episode I do put out, um, I call it Nisi's Notes, and it's just information about the scriptures we talk about, and then also I focus a lot on mental health and self-care. So I talk about that as well. And then I also put out um, an ebook called Take Care, Beloved. And if, it basically is a resource, again, where if you're feeling low, if you're feeling angry, if you're feeling anxious or depressed, you flip to the page with the emotion that you're dealing with. And there's a prayer, there's some Bible verses, and then again, there's some self-care. The main focus that I have with the podcast is I want to shake away the idea that Number one, there's a perfect way to be a Christian. Um, The performance of Christianity is one of the things that frustrates me the most when it comes to bringing people to Jesus, because a lot of it is, well, I don't think I'm good enough. I'm not doing the right thing. And it's like the more that I learn about Jesus, the more I realize that he came, he literally shook the table and flipped tables at the idea of performing Christianity and not actually practicing it. Um, And so I wanted to give people resources that they could be agents of God in the world, that in between going to church and things like that, they had the Bible verses, they had the prayer. And even on the podcast, I do have times where I just pray. And I hope the people who listen see that there's not one way to pray. You don't have to say, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. You can just have a conversation. And so all of the things with the podcast, it's really about equipping people and there are certain episodes that I'm very proud of that have like 10 listens and then other ones that I think are frivolous that have hundreds of listens. But 
whatever, if it touches people, if it impacts people, if someone's listening, then I might be, you know, on the right path. So, yeah, I mean, I never know if I'm equipped to do this thing, but I'm very excited to have this platform. Yeah, that's really cool. I think a lot of folks think they would like to do something, think they might have a perspective, particularly people who don't have the natural handicap of being middle-aged straight white guys, because speaking of someone who runs a podcast has four of them, we've got enough of those. So we don't really need that opinion out there more in the world. Um, but I think that, that thing about a platform is super interesting because, you know, 15 years ago, you, you were either going to get on the radio or get a book published. And now, as you're saying, you know, podcasts and blogs, is, are as many people going to read our blogs as might read something that got published by Zondervan? No, but Zondervan probably maybe wasn't publishing books for those people. And as you're saying, if it helps a couple of people and it, you know, we didn't have to build a, you don't have to build a radio tower to put out your podcast. You know, you need a a few bucks here and there for hosting. So what's that experience been like of connecting with people who live far away, have different experiences than you? Because you take questions, you do a lot of interactive stuff. So how's that been? Yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting opportunity because I'm naturally introverted And so what I often talk to people who are in the process of building the relationship with God is like when you find the truth or the way, people are attracted to you. So as you're going through your spiritual walk, because we're called to be positive people in the world, like even if you don't want people to come to you, if you kind of just want to put out a podcast episode and wash your hands of it and be like, that's enough, because you have that energy, people are going to want to come to talk to you. So I think a lot of the function of me answering people's questions is not necessarily because I think I have the authority to do so, but just because it's like a natural effect of putting myself out there. So a lot of it has been instrumental to me because I actually love inviting questions, especially people who maybe aren't believers or people who have had bad experiences with Christianity. And I think that a lot of people are justified when they're angry at the church and They don't want to go to church. And so many people have been so disappointed. I kind of find that if I can be a safe space for people, even if it is just to vent, then I can do that. Now, of course, I'm going to point people back to the word. And also, I mean, I'm an attorney by trade, so I'm not a therapist. I'm not somebody here to fix everything. But what I can do is act as like the compass to point people in the right direction. So when people come to ask me questions, I'm very careful to pray before I answer their questions. I'm very careful, like a lot of people send me messages on Tumblr and I hold off on responding if I'm having a stressful day or I'm having a hard time because I know that my energy is pouring into somebody else. So very cognizant of the fact that, excuse me, if people are looking to me, I have to be in the right headspace. And then I also know that there are certain questions that I can't answer. Um, You know, when people have big questions, I'm going to point them back to asking God because as strong as you can have in your faith, I still have questions. I I still have tons of things that I'm still trying to figure out. So I like when when people are engaging with me for it to be more of a conversation, allowing people to come along this journey with me. I've shared experiences from law school, college, my own struggles with mental health, my own, you know, I'm not a late in life believer, but I was saved when I was 16, as opposed to my boyfriend who has, you know, been in the church his entire life. And I like to see that we meet people where they are and then just have a conversation. Whether you've been a person that's been studying the Bible for 25 years or you're new to the faith, I see myself not as the person that fixes, but just 
help steer you as you navigate your own personal journey. Yeah, I think that gives your show and all the stuff you do such an amazing depth. Mm -hmm. Because we we often talk about on our end that there's people who are in professional ministry are going to inherently have a certain bubble effect on that. You know, when we, for example, and say that, when we hear questions about, you know, church stuff, we at this point spend as much time talking to people who run churches as people who attend churches. So if you're, as you're saying, you know, you have a stressful, I was going to say nine to five, but DC's still in the office and it's like <laughs> seven o'clock. So nine to whenever job. And you're saying, you know, these, these relationships and different expectations on you. That's, that's what, that's why people come to you. They don't come to Nisi because they want the definitive, you know, Bible school answer. There's plenty of those dudes, but they want your take. And I think people find that the more they put themselves out there and what they're going through, you, like you said, you kind of like a calls to like in that way, which is, which is super cool. My, I, one more question for you, because I think this people would be very interested to hear this. How has your experience, good, bad, or indifferent, changed engaging with church and Christian stuff since you started being on the other side of it a little bit? Um, so it's been a challenge because I actually have to actively pray because I recognize that with a certain amount of increase in people who listen to the podcast and at this point, the blog has a ton of followers. And so it's very easy to kind of start to feel like you've accomplished something, right? Mm. So you kind of have this feeling of, I've got a couple of thousand people listening, you know, listening to the podcast. I've got followers. My inbox is always full. And you have to be vigilant that you're not taking that as a sign of accomplishment and more so seeing it as an opportunity to do work. Mm. So when Mm. I approach the podcast and I approach the blog, I put it on like it's a job that I have. It's something that I embrace. And so now as I'm starting to step into ministry, I'm starting to see, you know, the church that I go to in Brooklyn, the pastor is starting to incorporate me and he's looking for leadership and he wants me on XYZ board. And I still have to remember that those leadership positions are not about me. They're about opportunities to do work. And that's what I remind myself. Like, even when I go to church and I'm like my, I don't want to say impact in the church, but People come up to me and they're like, hi, Nisi. And I'm like, I don't know. Hey, I don't really know your name, but, you know, let's have that conversation. So with that, like I was talking about before, where people see your energy and they're drawn towards you, I have to remind myself that it's not about me. It's an opportunity to do work. When I step into church, church previously was just my place of worship. I went by myself. I kept my head down and I did the work, you know, on myself. Now that I'm stepping into ministry, I have to remind myself that it's not just about me, that the smile that I have when I'm participating in corporate worship and fellowship, it's not just I'm coming there for a word in season, but merely my presence in church can bring someone else to God. You know, if I'm standing next to a person who's never been to church before, me just holding their hands and praying with them is an opportunity for them to get closer to God. So I just have to remind myself, you know, people coming up to me and talking to me, it's not necessarily because of the titles and the accolades and the kind of thing that social media fosters makes you feel like it's about the likes and the follows and all of that. And so you're navigating this space as a podcaster where you want the listens, you want people to participate in the conversation and you want that engagement 
because sometimes that function as confirmation that you're doing the right thing. So if I, like I said before, if I have an episode that only has a couple of listens, there are moments where I'm like, okay, God, did I talk about the wrong thing? I thought we were on the same page here. I thought this is what you wanted me to talk about. But it's often those very episodes that I'll get a message that's like, I never thought about Christianity in that way. And I thank you for putting it out. So that reminder that there's work to do, that the, the times that I feel closest to God is when I'm feeling useful in the kingdom, when I'm feeling like I'm doing his work, that is what it's about. It's not about the likes and the follows. And although social media is something I use to help the podcast grow, that's not it. And so the accolades that you get from the podcast, or even once you get involved in physical ministry inside of the church, you have to remind yourself to be humble, or at least that's what I try to do, and remind myself, Nisi, it's not about you. It's about an opportunity to bring people um, closer to God, to help them navigate, and also to not pretend like you have it all figured out. Because the more eyes on you, it's the more opportunities for not necessarily to stumble, for, but for people to see you stumble. And one of the things that I encourage people who listen to the podcast is remember that when you're praying for more responsibilities, you know, more blessings, more responsibilities come. So it's a blessing to have this platform, but it's also a responsibility. And if you're looking for leadership positions, if you're looking for yourself to be in a position where all eyes are on you, you have to be responsible. You have to remember that you literally have people's lives in your hands and that it's not a game. And there's light stuff. There's fun stuff. I don't want to make it sound like it's super depressing and it's just a job. I do enjoy fellowshipping. I love hearing about different people's experiences. And I love getting confirmation about the work that God's doing in other people's life and seeing the parallels as he's doing in my life. But like I said, it's a serious thing. And I, I try to take it like it's a job. And I, I see myself doing work in God's kingdom. And it, it is amazing work. We are all big fans of Miss Nisi. On the blog, on Tumblr, your big sis Nisi and my Strength and my Shield podcast, which you can and should, and I'm going to say will, check out <laughs> as soon as you can. Nisi, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm so happy that we were able to talk. And of course, I love to say that podcast. You guys know that you're the reason why I really got into podcasting. Um, I was inspired by you guys and feeling like I could actually do it. And hearing, I know you guys talk about just being a couple of white guys, but I'm telling you that this black girl from Brooklyn really enjoys the podcast. So that was our chat with Miss Nisi. I uh, really do appreciate her taking the time to talk. And I think it's, again, I think it's a really cool story. You want to chat her stuff again. And all these links will be in the show description. But her podcast, you can go on iTunes, you can go on SoundCloud, is My Strength and My Shield. The Tumblr is Your Big Sis Nisi. Check it out. She's awesome, by the way. She is very cool. We think the world of Miss Nisi and what she's doing. And uh, we often, uh, not quite as much we get asked for books, but occasionally we get asked, you know, what what other Christian podcasts are there? And there's the three we make. (laughs) And there's Ancient and New, which uh, Lee does our friend Thomas. And there's the Triple C podcast feed. And that's about it. So we are thrilled to have a a solid, very helpful uh, podcast that we can point folks to. And as we point out in the interview, it's a little different perspective you don't get. She's not a white guy is what I mean by that. So that's no. valuable in and of itself. Uh-huh. All right, we're going to move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously. It says, recently I heard that there are no degrees of sin, but I'd like to hear more about that. feels like some sins must be worse than others. I get that sin is sin, but aren't there some sins where you have to do something special to be forgiven? And Glenn, why don't you kick us off here? No. 
Would you care to elaborate? <laughs> sure. Uh, yes, I, the, there there are no uh, special sins, but but I think we're thinking of sin as an individual action, and that each individual action has a sin rating, and this <laughs> one's higher than the other, and all that. Uh, that is not at all the way the Bible describes things. Uh, the Bible uh, it says it's like a tree. You know, if, if a tree is a if it's an apple tree, it's going to put out apples. If it's if it's going to, we the the things that are inside of us are going to flow forth from us. You can look at the fruit, the bad fruit of uh, that that's being produced in your life, and you can lament about that, and you can be uh, more emotionally wrung out over how awful that is. But the thing is, another one's coming unless you deal with what's inside. Uh, so focusing on the sin itself as opposed to where that sin comes from uh, won't lead to eliminating sin in your life. Uh, so uh, we, we want to shift that focus. The other problem with thinking of sin as a series of individual actions in that way is that everything will be a mix. So if you say, is this sermon a sinful sermon? Uh, is this person a sinful person? Is this statement a sinful statement? You can find some angle on that that's bad, and you can find some angle on that that's good, and it's always going to be a mix. So you throw up your hands and say, well, who's to say? And there's, a, there, there's a saying in, in, in Texas that uh, Satan doesn't charge his tenants for heat, uh, that you know, he may be doing one thing very generously. You can have all the heat you want, but that doesn't make him a good person. This is not how this goes. Every everything has the uh, you know that that sort of uh, uh, mix to it. Uh, so we can't think of it that way and get good wisdom out of the situation. If you go to an amusement park and they say, you got to be this tall to ride this ride, it doesn't matter if you're a little bit underneath that mark or a lot underneath that mark. It's just right. it's the same deal. Uh, Jesus said, you know, there's going to be some people, uh, they're going to come to Judgment Day, and he's going to say, I don't know you. And they're going to say, well, no, we we cast out demons in your name, we, you know, we were, we led the Bible study, I was the megachurch pastor, so on, so I had the MJ. These are just random examples. Yeah. And uh, Jesus said, "I, I, I, I don't know you. And uh, apart from that being possibly the most chilling thing imaginable to hear, um, I think we can sort of absorb that it's maybe more important to know him than to do all of these actions that you think of as good. And that's very hard for people to get their minds around, I think. When you think in moralistic, legalistic terms, in religious terms, you think, if I practice a religion, then I'm on good terms— Jesus is saying, you can practice all that religion. You can go through all the motions you want, but I, I don't know you. you. You don't talk to me about this stuff, and you definitely don't listen to me. We don't know each other here. You're a stranger to me. Uh, so I, I think the, the big first step I would encourage you to do is to recognize uh, that you can be a big, fat sinner that God definitely knows. Yeah. And that's a good thing. You know, the, you can be, you know, in other words... When I when I go to for judgment day, there will be a very you know like you know Satan's the accuser, so he's going to come with this very long scroll of all the things that I've done, and it's going to be like you know huge. He's going to bring it out, and it's going to be very heavy. 
But when I approach the bench, the Almighty's going to look at me and say, oh, I know this guy. Yeah. Now, you know, it doesn't mean there's any less sin, but it does mean that there's been a lot of dialogue and a lot of back and forth and a lot of interaction on this thing. And we've been, you know, and this is what's meant by, uh, the Bible talks about working out your salvation. I think some people take that to mean that you have to do work in order for it to be salvation. It's, if you look at the original Greek, it's not saying that at all. Uh, the, when it says work out, it's, it's combining two words uh, that mean uh, 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 according to and work. You know, so that's, that's kind of where, why they translate it in sort of that literal way. But the same word is translated elsewhere uh, as being uh, committed uh, or, and committing an action. So you would use the same word. In fact, the same word is used in other places in the New Testament to say this person committed a sin. So they were committed to a thing that, and they were enacting it, and they were they were they were acting according to this thing that was inside of their own uh, soul. There, so it's the same thing where we're working out our salvation. It means we're we're working through it. We are we are we're we're trying to take the salvation that is in us and let that actually come to the surface and manifest itself mm-hmm. in righteous activity. Yeah, we got to get rid of some sin in order to make room for that. Uh, yes, there's some sin that's just going to hold up that process and gum it up, so we got we to gotta put, put it to the side. But it's about letting that righteousness come forward as opposed right. to trying to lead a sinless life. I think it's a really great point. I think as, as you're kind of pointing to there, there is a... This is, we, we sometimes uh, gently mock the people who over-theologize everything and kind of, you know, want to put a Bible or everything, but I think this is definitely an issue where a proper uh, theological understanding is uh, going to be very critical. The good news is that it's not all that complicated. And Lee, why don't you walk us through just this super basic kind of uh, Bible theology about forgiveness and how it relates to this question. Yeah, and and this is all this is something I'm, you know, hugely interested in as a person who basically grew up uh always feeling like I was in trouble all the time. Um I, I mean, you know, when you ask this question, this is something I can totally sympathize with. It's like uh you know, if there are degrees of sin, then I'm pretty sure that that I'm doing the bad ones. Um I'm I, I when I looked around at my at my friends, um, you know, whether they were friends at church or friends at school or friends, you know, hanging out, uh, you know, social stuff, <clears throat> it was very easy for me to feel like, well, I'm the one that's really on the bad stuff. And there was a time in my life where it was like, hey, if anybody's got any sin suggestions, you know, I'll, I'll take them for a spin, you know, I'll, I'll run them around the block and see how it goes. And so, um, but I, I always had that feeling of if anybody's in trouble, it's me. Um, so I, I can get down with this question, you know, because the feeling is, um, if, you know, if there are degrees, I'm probably in more trouble than other people are. Um, the, the, the truth of it is the, the way the Bible talks about it is exactly as Glenn's saying, it's, it's not, there aren't just degrees of, of missing the mark. If you've missed the mark, you missed it. Um, and, and the thing about that is, uh, there's actually, you know, the, you know, you say in your question, are there things that you have to, extra stuff you've got to do to be forgiven of certain things? Well, the the thing that the Bible says is there's actually nothing you can do to be forgiven of any of your stuff. 
um, the, the smallest sin, there's nothing that you can actually do to be forgiven of if there was a smallest sin and a biggest sin, I can't do anything to be forgiven for any of them. And that's why the blood of Jesus, the gospel, the the message that we have is such fantastic news is that Jesus has done everything that that needed to be done, that could be done for us to be forgiven for any sin. I think the troubling thing for us on this is, um, and I don't don't know if you've thought about this yet, um, but, but it helps me to think about it is that the feeling that you have, the emotion that you have, the emotion of being more in trouble over certain things than than other things, or more in trouble than other people with Jesus, is this sounds a whole lot like the enemy's line to me. Um, this this sounds like the way that he talks, and which is a really kind of a jerky way to handle us, uh, because you know he's the one that that is tempting you to do the thing in the first place, as we were talking about with the Twitter feed in the beginning. He's the one that's tempting you to do it. And then as soon as you do it, he's the one that's trying to make you feel super, super bad about doing it. You know, so it's like, you're you're getting me into this and then you're making me feel terrible on the back end. You, you got me going both ways on this thing. This is uh, this is not the, the voice I want to be listening to. The voice of Jesus on this might just be saying, hey, you know what? Um, I did everything that you need uh, to be forgiven completely. And I'm kind of tired of talking about your sin. Um, I'd love to talk about something else. I'd love to talk about your day. I'd love to talk about your week. I'd love to talk about how you're feeling about these things. I'd love to talk about your calling, which we talked about in a, in a previous question. I'd love to talk about something else, anything else than your sin all the time. Um, when I was a kid, Whenever our, our, our church would have communion once a month, and whenever we would have communion, the feeling that I had was it was everybody's job to feel as sad as possible during communion. That was the goal, was everybody get as sad as you can possibly feel during communion because, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus had to be sacrificed because of your sins. Way to go. You know, and so it was this thing of before I can come forward and get, you know, the bread and the cup, I got to feel as sad as I can possibly feel. Well, the truth is that, that you know, the, this, the Lord's Supper, the, the, the Greek word for it is, is, a, is another combination word, which Glenn was talking about. He was talking about a Greek combination word before. It's, it's the word Eucharist. The, the Greek word good, that's the E-U part of Eucharist. And then the word charis, which means grace. Um, or gift. This is uh, where it says in Romans chapter 6, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. It's that word, charis. This is the good gift, the good grace. When we take communion, we remember the sacrifice of Jesus for forgiveness. This isn't a thing for us to be sad about. We're not in trouble anymore. And that's the good news of the Bible. That's the good news of the gospel is that, that you're not in trouble anymore. And Jesus wants to talk about other stuff, not just your sin. That's a really fantastic point. There's a lot of great stuff in what Lee just gave us there. And I really like that closing point about spending all your time talking to God about one thing. And Jed, let's, let's, uh, I think these guys did a great job handling the, the God side of this. Yes, sir. Um, so, but there are areas of life in non godly ways of where the, uh, the type of thing you do has a big effect oh, yes. on the consequences. Um, one would be with other people and one would be with yourself. <laughs> so, how right. do we, 
I, and again, I think that does get to the core of this question of, I f- it feels like there should be something extra I have to do, which makes sense if this time you really screwed yourself good. Yeah. So, But how does that play into this whole thing? Well, I've never known anyone to ask a question like this in a dry academic sense. You know, theoretically, let us talk about stratas of sin. Just reading some ethics textbooks and you know, had, a, had a, little, a little thought experiment pop but, up there. Exactly. Whenever, whenever people are talking about this with me, it's because they've been sinning and they're trying to figure out what it means for them. And that's why I wonder about it. So we're all on the same page. To back up everything Glenn said and everything Lee said, uh, to be forgiven by God, there's nothing special required at all. Because uh, Jesus already paid for it. Uh, and in fact, this is 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Wait, uh, how much unrighteousness? Most. No, I'm sorry. Let me do All. Oh. Yes, all. All unrighteousness. So there you go. If you want to be forgiven by God, that's it. It's, there it is. it's, it's taken care of. Now, do you want to be forgiven by others? That gets complicated. And there, what you did definitely varies and makes a difference. You know, we work with people who have, well, not to put too too fine a point on it, but they've done a lot of bad stuff, Um, uh, much of it documented by the state. (laughs) And um, here's the thing is there's three kinds of other people when it comes to forgiveness. There are people who are shockingly just forgiving. Uh, If you go to them and say, "Um, Auntie, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done what I did. I hope you can forgive me. And they say, no problem. You're forgiven. And that's amazing. And there are people like that. And there are people that you go to and you say, hey, I'm sorry I did that. And please forgive me. And they want you to work for it. And they want you to maybe make reparations. And they want you to maybe make amends and, and you know, really have a very structured thing in place. And you know what? Sometimes that's actually kind of appropriate. It, it Man, there's a million variations here and it really depends. But there are people that are willing to look at the idea of forgiving you, but they definitely want that to be structured a very specific way. And then there are people whose view is, no, no, you don't get to be forgiven. So no. And there's reasons for that. Maybe they're hurt. Maybe they're bitter. Maybe they like lording things over other people. That's a big one. Um, So with other people, uh, you know, uh, there are categories of sins. Uh, They have nothing to do with what's in the Bible. Um, they, they have to do with the, the situational ethics and, and the way that we look at right and wrong in, in a given culture or subculture, but there are categories of, of transgression, yeah, and it depends on the person that you're dealing with. The big one, though, is what does it take to forgive yourself? Mm. That's the really, really big one. And I think if we're going to be honest, here's why I say it's the big one. God's forgiveness is a guarantee, um, but... I know a lot of people who have for sure been forgiven by God, but don't feel very forgiven. Right. And the reason they don't feel very forgiven is because they have for sure not forgiven themselves, and they're trying to figure out what to do with that. Here's the thing about forgiving yourself. For that, we need something that feels like it goes in almost the opposite direction um, from what we've been talking about with spiritual stuff. Lee brought up, you know, taking communion as a kid, and I can relate 100% to what he said, where the idea is I need to feel as guilty as possible and as sad as possible, and as crushed by my transgression as possible, (laughs) the weight of my iniquity breaking my back, and then forgiveness. If there's time. If there's time, if we get to it. (laughs) Definitely the iniquity part, maybe the forgiveness part. I'm not making two stops. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Here's the thing about forgiving yourself. To forgive yourself, you need perspective. You need a sense of where this came from. We deal with a lot of sinners in our work, as in everyone. They're all sinners. That's, that's all we got. Right. And I guarantee you, no matter how, putting air quotes around this word now, bad, the thing they've done is it made total sense. Yep. It made perfect Total sense. It seemed like the obvious decision. It probably seemed like pretty much the only decision. And if you put me in their shoes with the same situation, I'd probably do the same thing. Mm. That's probably how that would play out. If you look at what you did from a standpoint of understanding, from a standpoint of perspective and wisdom and and seeing the broader picture, I think you're going to find it a lot easier to forgive yourself. I think you're going to find a lot easier to say, it's not that what I did wasn't wrong, but it makes sense. And if if God isn't going to hold it against me, then I'm not going to hold it against myself. But when we paint a narrative of, I am a worm, I am awful, I am the worst, I am the worst worm who ever awfuled, we're going to find it really hard to forgive ourselves. I mean, really, really. And we're going to, we're going to kind of refuse to because that would be a dangerous thing. If we're letting the worst worm who ever awfuled wriggle off the hook, he'd probably <laughs> strike again. That would be irresponsible. Don't do that. That's foolishness. But if we say, no, I'm a person. I made mistakes. I went down a particular path and A led to B, which led to C. And before you know it, I was doing things that I really regret, but I can see how that all happened. It is so much easier to say, God sees that. God understands more than I ever will how I wound up making the bad decisions I made. He's not holding that against me, which means I'm not going to hold it against myself. If you're struggling with a sense of guilt, you do need God's forgiveness and we want you to to seek it and receive it. But you also need to work on forgiving yourself. And that means understanding how these things came to be. If you're not sure how to do that, please reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you about your situation. If it makes sense, we'd love to help you connect with a counselor or a therapist or a pastor. But you deserve to have peace in your life. And a big part of that is learning to forgive yourself. That's a great point. And really, I think one of the very smart things Jed's pointing to there is, whether it be with yourself, whether it be with other people, and especially with God, there is a a magical final step to forgiveness that lots of uh, people tend to skip. And that is this. Letting it go. Yep. We talk to people, as Jess saying, who we work with who are reaching out to forgiveness from a human person. They would say, you know, well, they, they forgave me because uh, they said the words, I forgive you. Okay, cool. The problem is after they forgave me, they still bring it up every time I see them. Well, that's not forgiveness because they didn't do the last step of not holding this against you anymore. It certainly works that way with yourself, as Jess pointed to. But I think to, to go back to the church point for a minute of where I think a lot of these attitudes can come from. Um, a lot of Christians really don't like that last step because then like, but then the feelings are over. There's a lot of like, you know, Jesus is tortured is death. You deserve that. Well, yeah, but I didn't get it. He took it. So I didn't. So yeah, but you deserved it. Well, yeah, but, but I didn't get it. That's the end of the story is he took it. So it's over now and I didn't get it. But you super deserved all. Yeah, I, I, I agree. He paid for it. We're pushing it, on. Yeah, yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> there's no feelings in pushing on. We have right. to. We have to hammer this point home. Right. As and as Jed points out, there's actually if you're saying if there will be some magic, there will never be a magical point where you feel bad enough that that unlocks anything. Uh, maybe that with forgiving yourself, that the idea of just go further and further into the awfulness 
and you'll come out the other side, uh, Shawshank Redemption style. It's just not it. And so uh, when you find, but we all do find ourselves in those moments. And it's one of those things when you find it hard to forgive yourself or someone else is not forgiving you or not getting forgiveness. It's always a good idea to go back to the God forgiveness thing, to read those verses, to listen back to stuff and get yourself on some firm footing there. And that'll really help you out as you move on. All right. Thanks for listening. If you have a, if you have a question for us, say that podcast, gmail.com, the bridge, Chicago, tumble.com for some reason i almost said if you have a podcast for us which <laughs> we're happy for you you know who has a podcast miss nisi it's Woo! called right. my strength and my shield you can check that out on itunes again we'll link to all her stuff here in the description tell you the song this is uh this ties in very nice with our final question this is a jed brewer bridgeworth song called save me from my sins tell you yeah. that thanks for listening just remember we love you god loves you there's nothing you can do about it coming this fall from say that productions reanimated apostle paul uber driver <laughs> Sin is the lie That there's something else That I need more Than God himself Sin is the sense That he's holding Just back from my account. Jesus saved me from my sins. Get me on my feet again. Jesus saved me from my sins. Give me mercy once again. Yeah.